Welcome back to the Stupidest Podcast with your hosts, Justin Rodemacher. And Justin Vanyventer. And who else do we have here today? We have my dad. You? Ha- who's your dad? Fred Vandeventer. We've talked about him on this podcast, haven't we? A few times. A few times. All good things, I think, right? I don't remember. For the most part. <laughs> <laughs> no, all good things for sure. Nah. Today's topic, we're going to be talking to my dad about uh, starting a business. Starting a business. Why, why do we have Fred on to start a business? Because he owns his own business. He owns his... What's, what's his business? Uh... You want to talk about it? Uh, A1 Concrete Leveling. We pump it up. Pump it up. A1 Concrete Leveling. So you pour concrete? No, no pouring concrete. We just raise existing concrete. So you got to have exist. You have to have the concrete poured before we get there. Okay. How do you, how do you go about that? Well, well, we start out, we hopefully the customers will call us, you know, and then we go out and take a look at the concrete. So we don't spend very much time at home anymore. So we're always on the road most of the time and do a lot of phone work. And then we go out and look at the concrete and we give them a bid and we throw it in a nice vanilla envelope with a big bunch of information and what we do and how we do it and all that stuff. So uh, and then we brochure and a card and, and and what we do is we drill a one-inch hole into your concrete, and we pump a pulverized limestone. So the limestone that we get, it looks like a baby powder when we get it. Hmm. And then we mix it with water. And we always call it, the best thing to do to look at it is you say, it looks like a Wendy's Frosty. And that's what we do. We pump that underneath there, and it raises it up just like a hydraulic jack. So it floats the concrete up to where it was to its original position. So it must take tons of pressure. There's not much that much pressure like you would think. It's only 15 pounds of pressure to raise the concrete. So a good possibility to think about it is if your tire on your car, your car weighs about 2,700 pounds. So if that tire was flat on the concrete, how much air would you really actually have to put in it to get it to raise up a little bit? One or two pounds? Just so, off the rim, man. Wow. That, I didn't know that that was. It only took that much pressure. Like that's not a lot. No, it doesn't take a whole lot. So a lot of people think, "Oh, you're gonna blow my walls out." All this kind of stuff. Well, your walls on your house, that your concrete block house, they hold 101 pounds per square inch back pressure from your backfill. Well, we're only pumping 15 pounds in there, so you're not even looking at just a little over 10 percent of pressure against that block. Wow. Dang, 15 pounds just to lift a whole thing of concrete. Yeah, we can raise, uh, we, you know, you're talking some, sometimes we get into some pretty heavy step stuff, you know, so we get into like some steps and concrete driveways, aprons, sidewalks are pretty normal, patios, garage floors. So, you you know, you get a big step or something like that. Sometimes they, they can range anywhere from six inches. Most steps are just a shell, you know, but sometimes we run into them, they're a couple feet thick. So you're looking at probably 35, 4,500 pounds worth of step. You know, it takes 15 pounds to raise them up. Wow. That's nuts. I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. So, you, but you can't use actual Wendy's Frosties to do this? No. <laughs> Why not? No, it will melt. Oh. So what, what, what if it's in the winter? We don't do anything in the winter. Oh. It, so, it's so not we a start, year we, our business starts when the frost is out of the ground 
and we end when the frost goes in the ground. So every because everything's going to be froze to the ground. Yeah. So basically, when you would be able to use the frosties, you cannot work. That's correct. Yeah. Well, shoot. Then you get to enjoy frosties the entire winter. <laughs> I wish it was that simple. You know, people say, well, what do you do all winter long? Well, there's there's a ton of work to do in the wintertime. I mean, because we go seven days a week around the clock. Yeah. So in this business here, because we only get about eight and a half months worth of work. Okay. So then we, you know, you shut down. you got your truck. is probably My truck will be limping by the time we get to the end of the season. So there's a lot of work. That truck has to be tore down. Everything has to be rebuilt, your bearings and everything, mm-hmm. repainted, everything, all that kind of stuff. Because limestone is a calcium carbonate. It's all it is. So it's environmentally safe. So it's very caustic sometimes. So it eats the paint up. Oh. So you can imagine that stuff is getting in the bearings and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of stuff that only lasts a couple of years and then it has to be replaced. And it has to be, there's a lot of, it's a very high maintenance truck. Well, especially since it's powder, it gets, yeah, it everywhere. gets everywhere. It gets in every crease. <laughs> yep. Man, your showers must have to go through a lot of stuff too. Yeah, that's why my hair is gray. <laughs> <laughs> Well, sweet. Well, uh, let's let's get to know know you a little bit better before we get into our topic. I know we talked a little bit about it, but I feel like we should get to know who Fred is before we we get into the. Yep, just like we did with Josh, we're going to start out with uh, four questions each. Yep, of just fun questions, getting to know him, and then we'll go into five questions about the business. Yep, and we'll see if if Fred has any questions for us. We can maybe sneak yep. those in there. Yep. So we'll see see how it goes and. We'll go from there. Yeah. Well, what have you been up to? Let's let's not do the questions right away. Let's let's see how everybody's doing. I heard you got a new horn. Yeah, I got a new air horn for the truck today. So I ain't got it installed yet, but it's. I got a little horn on the truck that comes out. It's a brand new truck. It's a 2020 Chevy 5500, but it's got a little horn on it. It goes beep, beep. So I went out and got me a big old air horn that's supposed to put out 150 decibels supposed to be like a train <laughs> engine to deaf people get out of the way that is i want to see you use that on the road i want to see you use that like just like as somebody's like crossing the street like hurry up and just blot just blast them away not so much about that blasting away but you get them nice looking girls running down oh. the streets you know in their shorty shorts and stuff like that you're gonna oh, honk Jesus. at them and maybe they'll turn oh, and stop man. Give you a view or something yeah. like that, maybe once in a while. Yeah. What if you What if you do that and you like scare them so much that they drop their phone? And then they got to pick up the cell phone. And you got your view right there. Well, maybe you can stop the truck and go help them pick it up. That, there you go. <laughs> I'm gonna ride with you, and maybe I can get myself a girlfriend. Well, you'd be surprised what we can see in a truck when you're sitting up high. Yeah. Oh dear God. I, I'm gonna start working with you a little bit. I, think. <laughs> I got some time right now. <laughs> I think Roddy's going to be leaving the podcast now. Yeah, I got another job. Sorry. <laughs> so, you're golfing, too. Yeah, I'm also golfing, too. So, we golf in the summer and bowl in the winter, you know. So, when we shut down, we spend a lot of time bowling and stuff, bowling in tournaments. I can do a lot of that stuff because I have a lot of time on my hands. But, you know, I can go out every weekend. But in the summertime, it's very tough, you know. So, when I play golf, I've got to get in the golf league because i got to force myself to go out to play otherwise i'll just work around the clock seven days a week oh yeah i mean you got to have some fun in in the meantime yeah yeah because if you're working during the day all seven days 
You gotta, it gets wearing. Yeah. But I'm I'm surprised that you're always working, but then you also do something physical on the back end, too. Yeah, it gets physical sometimes, especially you get to some of these houses. You got to realize everything is not under construction. So everything we every house we go to is finished. So there's a lot of stuff you, you got to go around. Mm-hmm. You know, your worst ones are probably your townhomes because you got retired people. Mm-hmm. And those retired people ain't got nothing else to do, but what are they going to do? They're going to plant flowers. And they're going to put stuff on sticks. And where do they put them? Right alongside the sidewalk. Right where you're working. Right where you're working. And then try to work and not wreck their stuff. Yep. <laughs> you know, and then you get other houses, you know, and if you get something like a pool. We actually raise pool decks. Oh, nice. But the problem with pool decks are they're always way in the back of the house. Mm. And it's a long way. And it's either up the hill or down the hill. And every time you get around a pool, guess what? When the sun is shining, you get that glare off that pool. And you get a sunburn in a hurry. Oh. And it gets hot. Yeah. But maybe maybe there's the girls are swimming in the pool, though. Does that help? Well, in 20 years, it only happened one time. Oh. <laughs> and that was, that was quite interesting that day. I bet. And, um, they stayed there the whole time. Really? When they're little bikinis, they sat out there in the pool, watched me work and stuff like that. But it was like 95 that day. Oh, it was hot, but it didn't seem like it was that hot as long as they were yeah. there. Well, I mean, you're probably just like, you know what? You are get, you're getting me through the day. Like, <laughs> this is this is nice. And you know what? They probably wanted to go inside, but they're like, you know what? He's got to work out here. I might as well help out a, what, with what I can. Right. Give him a view, you know. I like that. Who was working with you? Well, I got a guy at the bowling alley. He's a professional ball driller. So, you know, it's kind of a perfect deal for him, you know, because he can still work with me. We get done sometimes like two or three in the afternoon, you know, and then he can go and work his little pro shop in the summertime when it's the slow period. You know, his his main period is, is actually October through april so that's our downtime you know most of the time so that works out good for him yeah so that way you just you got the, both the best worlds right ask him what the guy's name is what's the guy's name his name is fred too so we have fred and fred on the truck <laughs> fred just and like fred. we have justin and justin here so. that's awesome fred squared justin squared right uh, well, what are the odds right that's awesome i like that a lot all right, sweet. I, should I start then? Yeah, with, yeah go ahead. And I want to get. I want to get into our questions a little bit. Sure, Fred. You are the first person that we've talked to on this podcast. Well, not the first with with. Oh yeah, you're you're the one first one with kids that we've talked to. Yeah, but you're the first one with grandkids. So my question is, what's your favorite part about having kids and grandkids? Well, the first part about having kids, period, is. It kind of keeps you keeps you on your toes. I will tell you that. Yeah. And you have a lot of responsibility. I mean, you just, it's just like working a business. That business is not going to work without you working it. When you're done working, the business stops. And your kids will keep you going. You can't come home and think your kids are going to sit in the corner and there. And you're going to sit in a chair and watch TV. That's not going to happen. <laughs> so they, they're going to keep you going. Yeah. And that's. And then when you have the grandkids, and finally their kids are growing up and they move out, you know, and then you get the grandkids. Well, one thing that's nice about grandkids, 
versus your other kids. Those grandkids can come over for two hours. You can spoil the heck out of them, and then you send them home, and they're all <laughs> sugared up and running around and climbing the curtains. Ship them up. That's awesome. That's, I'd say that's a good part about having grandkids. Yeah, that was, that was a good answer. Yeah, it was. All right. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? When I was a kid, I always wanted to be a pilot. Ooh, a pilot. I always did, yep. And I kind of, at this point, I still kind of wish I would have chased it a little more in my dream. I wish I could have done that, especially with all the commercial farming and stuff. I would have been one of them pilots to do all that spraying on the fields. Oh. So like a crop duster. Crop duster. That's what I would have been. That's what I would have liked to have done. Well, I feel like you are a little bit of a crop duster. Just a, a different variety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can do that sometimes with a truck or the covers loose with that powder because that baby powder it flies around oh. on that truck. Um, one time we had I had Justin on the truck one time when we, when we first started business we only had a little tarp on the on the thing. Oh, and no. yep, and we went down to the plant and loaded with that fresh powder. Yeah, I remember this. And we were going down thirty five W, and. Let me tell you what. There was not a car behind us for about 500 feet or more. I mean, it was looked like it was a blizzard behind us. Wow. <laughs> I dude, mean, we were dusting like no tomorrow. Smoke signals. Just going up and down and flapping all over the place. Did it actually stay on, though? Yeah, that, yeah the car stayed on, yeah, but we just, just... Yeah. The air just gets underneath that tire. It just wasn't tight. We just wasn't tight enough. We just couldn't get it airtight. Mm. Now I have a I have a plywood cover. It's kind of more airtight, so it doesn't do that anymore. And it has more weight on it to, yeah. to keep yeah. it down. Nice. All right. If you could be a professional athlete, what sport do you think you would play? Golf. Golf. Okay. I didn't know if it would be golf. I was thinking it was going to be bowling, but, I mean, you guys are more golfers than you are bowlers. Well, I, I've met you guys at the bowling alley, so I just always assumed that you guys like bowling. Yeah. I don't know. Bowling is it's hard on your arms and legs and all that kind of stuff. And I would, I'd rather be outside. Oh yeah. I grew up on a farm, so I was I grew up outside. So I would, you know, we we didn't have a whole lot of money on farm. We didn't have time to golf. Mm. The farm was three sixty five twenty four seven. I mean, the animals never stopped. Dad depended on you, you know. So I didn't have. When I was young, we never golfed. So, but I thought, man, if I could start today with the equipment they have today, the balls they have today, the courses they have today, everything is much, much better. Yeah. It's like you know, you, who in the heck don't want to go be outside? Because when you're going to play golf, you don't play golf in the rain. No, you don't play golf in the winter. You play it when it's nice and beautiful out. And it's nice and beautiful. So why wouldn't you want to pick that sport? Yeah, that's a. Plus, you get to see places that not a lot of people get to see unless you're a golfer. Like, there's a lot of, like, golf courses that you go to that you're just like, these are immaculate. How do people not come here all the time? And then you realize, like, well, I guess not everybody's into golf. Right. I'm realizing that a little bit with disc golf. I know it's not the same because it's more wooded areas, but I, I feel like they're just as beautiful sometimes. But who would want to play the Masters or Pebble Beach? That would be amazing. Right. I just want to. I want to go to the freaking uh, Augusta. Is that where the, Br the British, the British Open? What's oh that? no, that's in. Uh, that's this. That's going on this weekend, starting Thursday. I want to hit one out of them bunkers. Out of that over at the UK. Okay, yeah. I don't know which course they're playing right now. There's two courses there, so 
I'm not sure which one they're playing this year. Either. But some of those bunkers are, you know, they're 12 foot deep. Wow. Yeah, you got to have a ladder to get out of them. Some of them. Yeah. Do you just keep that on your cart, or how is that? <laughs> it's in the bunker. Like, you wow. build it into the bunker. You got to climb the ladder down. Or just not be a bad golfer. <laughs> yeah, you got to stay I, out of there. I'd be screwed. Right? I just want to get out of them one time just to see if I can Just get to out. say that you got out? I got out of that bunker. Yeah. Well, there is, there's one bunker I know in the United States that's kind of like that, and that's in Castle Rock, Colorado. Mm. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Have you ever played that one? Yeah, I have, and I've been in that bunker. Oh, shoot. Did you, Did get, you out? get out? I got out of that. Nice. Guy told me how to get out of that. Well, what you got to do is you got to open that club face wide open, and you got to hit the ball just right. And you, it'll it'll flop up out of there, and it'll come out of there. You won't huh. get much distance, but you can get out of there. Well, you don't really need the distance at that point. You just want to get out. You don't right. need to. You can't go anywhere. Yeah, you're not going for the hole at that point. You're just, I want out. Yeah, you might as well hit it in a hazard. No. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Right, what do you think your, is your biggest accomplishment in your life so far? Well, our biggest accomplishment is, you know... It's probably starting this business. You know, it, it's it's a very it's a tough road the first five years. I, when I first started this business back in two thousand, the banker I, when I went and got to the banker and got a loan to get this business started, you know, I put quite a bit of money down myself. I had I had about fifty thousand I put down on myself. Wow, that's a good investment. This, yeah, you know, so you, I put my life savings down there and took this thing. And kind of ran with it. And the banker told me, he said, if you can make it the first five years, you're going to go. It's going to be an uphill ride to five years. And then after five, five to ten, it's going to be a downhill ride. And that's where you're going to have to really cross your T's, dot your I's. You really got to keep after it because that's where the point is. But them first five years, man, you have got to have the get up and go to keep it going. And if you don't have the get up and go, you're not going to survive. That's just the way it is. So if you're going to start your own business. So for instance, if you're going to open up a restaurant and you don't like to cook, you're going to fail. Because if that cook don't show up and you got to go back there and cook and you don't like to cook, you think you're really going to put out good food? No. And what if you had to do that for three weeks straight and you don't like to do that? And then you got to find a cook while you're doing the cooking, too. That's correct. So you have yeah. to do something you love. So, you like my bit, so like me, I'm outside all the time. And you don't like to be outside. You, don't, you know, it's cold. It's warm. It's hot. You know. Wet. Wet. You know, it's just dirty. You know, so there's a lot of changes and stuff like that, you know. So you have to. You have to have to get up and go. You really have to like what you're doing. Because if you don't like what you're doing, it's going to be a rough road. That makes sense, though. I mean, like, if you do something that you're passionate about, you're going to obviously put more work and effort into it. And if it's making you money, that that's even better, you know? Yeah, because when the business stops, the money stops. Yep. So at this point, you probably don't even think about it like as a business. Like you're just doing what you love, and you just happen to get paid for it. All right, right now, see, we've been in it for 20 years. So you got to realize, 20 years, we we've, we've done our time, and so now we we can kind of sit back a little bit. But it's not so easy this year. 
these last couple of years because we had the pandemic going on. We didn't have no home shows and, you know, so the advertising is going and people have been home and it's, you know, people are a little bit tight, you know, and it's just, you know, they're thinking everybody's scared a little bit, you know, and then we have the presidential change and all that stuff. So in a business, you really have to watch the economic, the way it turns. Yeah. So because one business will drive to another. Do you think the pandemic affected you, your business? It, this year, it might have. Yeah, I think it's affecting us a little bit because we didn't get, you know, the home shows and stuff. That's where we go and get our new customers. You know, we, we're we actually living off the word of mouth right now. So, you know, it, it gets a little bit tough, you know, but you got to you still have to go to do all the little things. You know, you get that customer. He says, well, can you do this? Can you do that? Well, yeah, I can. But a lot of times you don't charge them, you know, and you just kind of do a little thing and then you find out. He tell two other neighbors, you know, well, that's where you got to go to the extra mile sometimes. You can't be a jerk all the time. You got to, you know, you can't make a, you can't gouge everything. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to run you out of business. Mm-hmm. That makes sense because do you get to be a jerk every now and then? Though? I've got to be a jerk once in a while. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I, a lot of times, you know, I tell people, I tell a lot of customers, you know, they always ask, well, how do you want to get paid? I said, well. I'm a guy with hats. I own the business. I'm a nice guy today when I do the work. But when we shut down in the wintertime, when I got to come collect your money, I got to put that nasty hat on. I'm probably not going to be very nice if I got to come back and try to collect your money. Yeah. Especially if they're like refusing or like saying, oh, I'll get it to you at this time. And you're like, well, I kind of need it now. (laughs) Like, Yeah, it gets gets a little tough because like. Sometimes you get like you get the homeowners associations like townhomes and stuff like that, and you get businesses. A lot of times you don't get paid for forty-five or sixty days. Mm. So you sometimes there's times I've had during my twenty-year span I've had over eighty thousand dollars out there and didn't have any money coming in because we had all these jobs back to back to back to back, just and, sitting there in collections. Yeah, they're just sitting there, and you know you can't get paid because. You got these big corporations, and it, it's got to go through a lot of yeah. levels before you can get paid. Because you're dealing with the guy, you're dealing with the guy that owns the business, and then he has to sign off, and then, and then it has to go. This guy's probably got to go in out there and inspect your work, and that you know he might not get out there for a couple, two, three weeks, and then when he comes back, then it's got to go through accounting, and a lot of those accountants they only draw once or twice a month, so it depends on when that goes through the accounting so them 45 60 days that can add up they like, can add up quick it, yeah especially if it's multiple businesses doing it at the same time like eighty thousand dollars is a lot of money to have outstanding right so no. yeah it gets tough to pay the bills i don't think i've made eighty thousand in my life yet oh yeah you have i know i have <laughs> you better have <laughs> i'm actually I, I like that answer but i am a little like taken aback that his biggest accomplishment wasn't making it on to the stupidest podcast. Right? This is a big step in a career. Yeah, this is a big stepping stone. (laughs) 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 I'm scared. This this is huge. (laughs) All right. What skill do you possess that not a lot of people know about? I'm a welder. You're a welder. I knew that, but not a lot of people know that. When I started this business, I was the 13th franchise of this business. And there was 12 of us out of the 13. We were all former welders. 
All of you guys. All of us, because we have an eye to see how the concrete is sunk and how it's to get it back to where it needs to go. So my background as a welder, I went to welding school, and I became a certified welder. And I worked construction for the first four years, five years, and then I got a job through Martin Marietta, which is an aerospace company. So I was an aerospace welder. And if you want to think about, I was a TIG welder, aluminum TIG welder. So your aluminum cans, when you buy an aluminum pop can, and you take a knife and you cut that in, in half, that's what we welded all the time, stuff that thin. And you had to make it look basically like it hadn't even been cut. Well, not only that. No, not necessarily. You could still see where it was welded. But the deal was it had to pass x-ray and dye penetrant inspections. X-ray inspections even. It can't have no defects in it whatsoever. Well, I mean, if it's aerospace, for sure. Yeah, because you're talking about countries' security programs and spyware and all that other stuff that are shooting up there. All these spy satellites... They spy on all these other countries. So, so for instance, like, um, like Iran building these nuclear things. Well, the government's actually spying on them all the time from the satellite. That's where your satellite views come from, and your weather stations, yep. your radar, all that stuff. So we were pushing satellites up there, and but most of our stuff was not commercial stuff. It was for the U.S. government. Wow. So, like, for the space station and exploration and medical and all this other stuff, that they were doing all these experiments in outer space. So, these satellites were pushing these up, and we were, we were actually, some of them were going to the space station and stuff like that. So, huh. so I did that for seven years in Denver, Colorado. Then I went to what was ASRM, which is Advanced Solid Rocket Motor Casings, was supposed to go to the space shuttle. These casings were supposed to put these heavy loads to the space station that the U.S. was going to build instead of the U.S. International Space Station. The U.S. was going to have its own space station. Well, that program never... It got canceled when... Um, I think it was... I can't remember. It was after who was president after Reagan. Because after that, that's when that program got canceled. When Reagan lost his bid... Yeah. And then Bush came in after that guy. I can't remember who was the minute. I think it was or, Jimmy. Was it Jimmy Carter? Well, I think it was Jimmy Carter. I was thinking that, but it wasn't 100%. I'm terrible presidents. <laughs> yeah, they start to run together, you know. Yeah. So we always had to vote for a Republican president because they were always the ones that was doing all that stuff. Yeah, trying to, yeah. So I was an aerospace welder for many, many years. So you were tr- basically giving... Every astronaut in space, you were making sure that they had their aluminum pop cans. Yeah, that, right, yeah kind of. <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I'm getting. But from this but story. yeah, that was you know that stuff we were welding. So if you can think about it, I did get an award for sixty-seven thousand inches of weld of defect-free. Wow. Not a, just perfection. Like perfection. Not, not in, in before your, I made a mistake. Zero defects. How many mistakes did you make? Do you like? Do you know how many mistakes you made like throughout your career? No, I can't. I can't, no. can't answer. So, you. I mean, you. You. When you weld something, you, you. There's. There's. There's actually criteria. 
So when you're, when you're TIG welding, they have what they call a tungsten. A tungsten is your arc. So you got to keep that out of the middle. So you can't get that too close, you know. So if you tick that, and every once in a while, if you hit that, if you hit that aluminum puddle, a little piece of that tungsten is going to come off into that puddle. So then when they do the x-ray, guess what? You're it's going to show up. That's a defect. And you can, you can only have a defect in so many inches of each other. You can have one speck in there. Yeah. But you can't have like six, seven specs. Oh. So then they would have to grind that out and then it becomes, it comes, has to be repaired. Yeah. Wow. Well, that goes on your record. Wow. And what, what was the distance again? 67,000 inches. 67,000 inches. That's a lot. That is a lot. It's a long way. That's impressive. Very. That's a few years. Yeah. That's incredible. Oh, there was guys that were messing up all the time. Yeah. And then you you know, you you get so many defects. Your first defect you you get like a warning. And okay. then you had another and then in a, and then you can't have another one for thirty days. So then if you got two within a thirty day periods, well then you get a written. And if you got three in a thirty days, they they jerk your certs. So then you can't weld. So now you got to go back to certification class, and you have to go back to recertify. Wow! So you got to start from scratch all over again. So you never want to go down that road because when you go down that road, you can't do any work. You guess what you're going to be doing? You're going to be sleeping the floor because that's all you can do. Well, because yeah, you need to have some sort of income, and if you're not well, you're still getting paid. Okay. But you're going to be sweeping the floor. You're you're the grunt now instead of being. (laughs) You're doing all the bitch work. Yeah, you're doing all the you're doing all the dirty work. You see any guys do that? Like oh yeah, lose their certification. Oh yeah, all the time. Oh man, that's tough. I come close once. Really? Even after all that, those perfect inches. Yep. I was going to ask, was it after, not before? It was after. It was after. Wow. So, but, you know, for instance, like we were welding these, you see up here on the wall, there's a rocket up here. Yeah. So in the, in those, in those, in those fuel cells, we were building the fuel cells, not so much the rockets. The rockets came from Morton Tycho, but the fuel cell that the payload where it was, there's a tube inside. So there's a, there's a fuel cell and then the top side is an oxidizer. So when the oxidizer hits the fuel, it's a chemical reaction and that's what powers the rocket. Okay, so okay. you're talking you're, you're talking about the middle part. So I, for those of you that, that can't see this, there's a rocket that's got two on the outside and one on the in the middle, uh, and there's a top part on the middle one. And you're talking about the top part of the no, I'm not oh, talking about the the two on the sides. Them are the motors. The, those are the motors. Those are the motors. Okay. Them are the rockets. Those those will peel off before they go to outer space. Yeah, because the, oh, it's only the middle part that goes to space. Yep. So. And then, and then the middle part, there's two stages. There's stage one and there's stage two. And that's the fuel cell? Yep. So there, there, that big long tube, that's actually separated. Okay. So there's two cells in there. So okay. you have your oxidator and you have a fuel on the bottom. And then it's the same thing for your stage two. So your stage one will push it up so far through the, through the atmosphere up into outer space. And then your stage two will put it to the outer orbit. Okay. And the top the top piece that you see up there, that's where the payload is. That's where the satellites are. Okay, so that's the only part that they're really trying to get to space. So we welded the first stage and second stage. That's the only thing we were doing. So in between those stages, 
So like in the fuel cell, there's a tube that's in the center of it because you have to get the oxidizer to the bottom of the fuel cell to mix to the motors. Right. Because once that mixes, it's going to blow up if it if it leaks or anything. So this tube, okay. So I was welding that tube. There's a tube and there's a bellows in there. So you can imagine this. Okay. So there's a tube in there and it's called a like a a flex tube, you know, like a bellows. Mm-hmm. So when that rocket takes off, that actually squeezes down. There is so much force on them rockets when they take off, that thing will lose. I forget what they tell me. It's almost like 40-some inches from the thrust of those rockets when it takes off. So that's how much power, that's how much crush pressure there is on that. Is that why you use aluminum? A little more flex? Yep. It's very high-tech aluminum. It's not your regular aluminum you buy in a store. I'm going to tell you that right now. So so these you have to weld these bellows on that tube that goes in the center of that. Well, I was welding them one time. I got to tell you this story because this this will really make your eyes blink so i was welding that one time they have a special tool for that so because it has to be lined up perfect has to be welded perfect has to everything's got to be perfect perfect there's Mm -hmm. no there's no tomorrow there's no room for error there's no room for error you can't do that because you're this you're talking about millions and millions of dollars on here plus the payload that's in there you know so you're talking millions lots of millions of dollars so i was welding those bellows on there and I was welding the bellows on one end. I had my welding clamp on the other end. Well, when you weld, you have your positive and your negative. Well, when the positive and negative come together, that creates the arc. Mm-hmm. That's where the arc comes from, the welding. Well, because I had the clamp on one end and I was welding on the other, and I welded that up and I went to take the clamps off and arc that tube. So I had oh. burn holes on the tube. Oh, oh no. You're talking about a $450,000 tube. Oh. It's the first time I ever done that when I was working there. And it's like, you, my eyes looked at that thing and I had to go tell the boss we burnt a hole in that tube from that thing. And it's like, let me tell you what, I could have went to the bathroom and threw up. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure to put on anybody oh. though. God, that's remember. so much. Did you look at anybody like, well, because will you go tell them? Now will you go it, tell them? Well, now you think everybody's pointing it to you because it's your fault. Well, guess what? That thing sat on her for two years. That cut, I shut that, I shut that tool down for two years from my mistake. Really? When they got done with their investigation, they put it on the tool. That's because the coating that was supposed to be on those rings that hold those rings to turn that bellows when I weld it, the coating was not thick enough to stop the arc. So it wasn't your fault. It was so because ended of the up, piece. It didn't end up being my fault, and that was part of my 67,000 inches to continue. So that didn't end your thing because it, it was didn't end tool. it. Wow. That's crazy. That's a $450,000 piece. That you had to weld. So wow. So did they have to throw that tube out? They did not throw that tube out. And they when they did all their inspections and did all their testing and all this, I mean it went through a rigmarole of testing and all this stuff. The arcs weren't deep enough to affect the metal. Okay. Oh wow. So in in actuality, like that piece was still did they still use it on? Yeah, still used it. Yeah. 
And, of course, the weld I put on her was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, you put a perfect weld. It was that, that damn tool. Damn tool. Oh, yeah, my heart swelled. I was sick to my stomach. Oh, Let I me did. tell you what. I can't imagine that. It had to be the Because well, I was in my low 20s at that time. I was young yet. I'd never touched anything like that in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up on a farm. You know, farm stuff broke. We took it to the welder. We welded it up or patchwork. We didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what was $25 part? You know, here you're talking about 450000 and you got the whole country looking at you. It was like, whew. Yeah. I just fucked up. I fucked up bad. I fucked up bad. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I would be... I, I'd be sick to my stomach. I'd be coming out the other end. It would be just, it would not be a pretty sight. How many guys did you go to and be like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Well, you got to remember this one on, it will, it probably, it, like I said, I shut that tool shut down for two years. It probably yeah. went on for a good six to nine months before, they, before I learned out they were actually leaning towards the tool yeah. so defect. You, so you had to have this feeling for a long time. Long time. Wow. So just thinking that you're like, I messed up, I messed up, I messed up. And you're at the end, you're just like, wait a second. That, that had to have me. been the biggest relief ever. Well, yeah, because everybody, you know, we never even, nobody ever gave it a thought that it was the tool. So then after that, we came up with a policy, say, to put the ground clamp close to where you were welding so that would never happen again. Yeah. That's so it. they changed a lot of the ground clamps and even on some of the other tools and some of the other machines that we were using because some some of those ground clamps were a long ways away and the tool was being whole, using the whole ground and they didn't want that. Yeah, man. So that's the kind of stuff. Yeah. That's where they hit. Then you start my own business like that, that's background of my business and then... You know, I got to the point of my age, you know, I, your eyes are just not that good to see that stuff that thin. Guys were using cheater lenses. Well, you're not fooling nobody. You know, so. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then just having the, the background, like, you just, it, it sounds like that's, like, the perfect background for what you're doing now. It is. It is. Really, it really is. Hmm. Are we able to share the, the name of this shuttle so people can look it up if they want to? It's called the Titan Program. The Titan Program. Yep. U.S. Air Force Titan Program, if you guys wanted to look up the... Yep, Titan 4. Titan 4. Complex 41, it says. So there was Titan 1, Titan 2, Titan 3, Titan 4. That was on the Titan 4 program. Hmm. That was the heaviest at that point, at that yeah. time. Yep. That was pushing the big heavy payload up. That's crazy. Just millions and millions of dollars sitting right millions. there. Millions. Did you ever get to watch... I never did get to go. Okay. There was, I we did have one welder in my group. He got to go one time. And they drew they drew a name or whatever, and he got to go out there and watch it. He said it was pretty cool. But I did get in on some of the testing. We right on the site. We they when they test those rockets, what they do is those cells that we welded together. Those units, they have a, like a silo. And these, you got to remember, these, this thing is tall. Mm-hmm. So they have these silos, and they put these big, huge, massive four-inch cables on the top of this thing with this thing in there. And they pull down, they pull down on that with a tremendous amount of force, trying to recreate the force that those rockets, when they take that off, the the G force, and recreate that and push down and pull down on that to see if that's going to hold up. 
Well, yeah, because if it didn't hold up, well, everything then, then is Then the engineering is going to change something. Yeah. So I did get to spend a, a oh, few man, weeks just... out there with those guys because they did get behind on some works like that. But going up and down them ladders and up and down that silo, that was not an easy job. No, especially like so, that thing so, was real so tall. they pull down on it to make sure that everything's going to stay connected and all Connected, that. yep. Everything, it was, everything was going to function and everything. Oh, God. If, did you ever see a failure? Oh, yeah, there was failures all the time. Wow. All that work. Yeah. All that money just done. Oh, yeah, all the time. Wow, man. So they changed parts. They changed that stuff. They put that on there and put it, do it again, do it again, do it again. It's just continuous. So you're just like, well, there's some practice, I guess. Did you ever, like, just know that they were going to probably trash one? So you're just like, I'm not going to do as well on this one. I know they're going to make me do it again. No, he didn't do that. (laughs) Because everything went through testing. Yeah. Everything was tested. So it had to be perfect. It had to be perfect. So when you welded, how far could you weld before they had to do a test? Well, it didn't matter how far you welded what you had to watch was what we called a heat affected zone so you can't get it too hot and you can't get it too cold otherwise it's not going to pass so it has to be perfect yeah so a lot of those you're when you certify that's what you're certifying your welds go through the same test they do when they do their test what's the the temperature range for that like too hot too cold do you is it like there's really uh, that's hard to explain okay. because you go by how much heat it takes to melt oh. the aluminum depending on the thickness and your speed so it varies so it varies all the time your machine your welding machines got to run perfect yeah and we had each of us welders our hand welders we each had our own machines nobody touched anybody else's machine i didn't want nobody touching my machine so when I rolled it across the floor, I took it like a turtle because mm. I didn't want that thing to bump. I didn't want it to run out of settings. I didn't, didn't like it to get – that's how I got the perfect inches because it was very – so you, if I went on vacation, I when I went on vacation, I always put little things on the machine to see if anybody was ever using it. I wanted to know if anybody used it while I was gone. That's, Nobody ever used it. So it's that in the corner. On the top of this dial. Yep, I did. I did. I actually put marks and stuff like that on because I want to make sure that nobody was touching it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, that's an extension of you at that point. Well, but you got to remember, you're, you're reliable for everything you touch. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You stamped everything. So every once in a while, you have these folders. You know, you have your work folders. A lot of times the Air Force would come in, because we're working for the United States Air Force. They would come in and put a stamp in your book. And you do not dare to go past that step without Air Force signature. If you did that, guess what? You were probably going to be gone for seven days. (laughs) Unpaid? Unpaid. You were going to get it written right there. That's a no-no. Yeah. There's no questions asked. So there's a lot of stress. A lot of stress, yeah. So is it? Do you think it's less stressful? This isn't a quest, that's my question or anything, but is it less stressful now owning your own business? Oh, absolutely. Really? Oh, absolutely. Wow. That's Just true. there's you have more. You know, you have your money stresses. You know, because you can lose your business all in a couple hours. I mean, yeah. But here, your livelihood. It just it works on you every day, twenty four seven. 
<laughs> I mean, because you're you're under the gun. Everybody's watching you. You're under just a, you're literally under a microscope. But our our welding department kind of worked different than the mechanical partners because the mechanics seemed like they were working Monday through Friday. Us welders Monday through Friday were waiting, standing around waiting for the engineers to make a dang decision for us to weld because nobody liked to put heat to anything. Mm. And us welders, we were itching to just to weld something up, you know. We were <laughs> welders. We want to put this stuff together, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it was. We like to weld stuff up the heck with nuts and bolts and all that stuff. Weld it, it'll stay forever. Did you, you know? ever just do, like, competitions, like, during that, like, little downtime? You're just like, I bet I can weld this better than you. You know You know what we did for, you know what we did actually did for entertainment? What'd you do? Well, on these domes that are in that thing, they have the aluminum domes. So you have that. You have that dry that uh, that stuff you like dry ice. You put that stuff in there. What the heck they call that liquid? Yeah, that liquid nitrogen. Yeah, liquid, liquid nitrogen. nitrogen. Yep, we have we dealt with that all the time. So we had a lot of mice in the shop. We would catch these mice live and then throw them in that liquid nitrogen. Oh my <laughs> goodness! Well, guess what? When you pick them out of there and throw them on the floor, they disappear. Yeah, they just fro- are completely frozen, I bet. They yeah, they're completely frozen. Shattered. They're gone, shattered. There's nothing left. There's nothing to sweep, no nothing. Wow. I mean, they just just completely disappear. That's nuts. That's, oh, wow. We had a lot of mice. Yeah. Well, not after that. Oh, we did all the time. There were were mice all the time. Because the plant was up in the mountains. Oh, okay. So we were getting a lot of critters. Yeah. That's that's crazy. A lot of snakes, coons, lots of mice. Yeah. That's crazy. I like that. (laughs) All right. um, My next question is, uh, what is your dream car? Well, my eyes always... I don't know. I always like to have one of them... I always call it a gangster car. Ooh. I always call them them old cars that had them little tiny windows on the side, you know. So like a Plymouth or whatever? Yep. So or an Oldsmobile, you know, they had them little old they had them little skinny windows or whatever, you know, yeah, the big old ratter. trunkers. I always thought that would be my dream car. I'd like to have one of them in the garage. I'd drive that thing around. Make it pure black. That's cool. That would be really cool. Wow. Bring that with your golf clubs in the back. Just drive up. What color? Black. Black. Flat black or shiny black? Shiny black. Ooh, shiny black. Black black. Are you doing, like, black everything? Like Black everything. Black, like, wheels. Black bumper, black, black wheels, everything. Nice. Are you going to Are you gonna tint your windows? Like, yep, I'd like to tint them black. As dark as you can? Yeah, if I could, yeah. yeah. You know, in this state, you can't do that. No, well, you can get to a certain degree. You can do it in Florida. Ooh, are you going to move to Florida just so no. you can drive that car? <laughs> <laughs> it's not the car I thought you were going to pick. What did you think he was going to pick? I thought he was going to pick the, uh, uh, what's Burt Reynolds' car? The Firebird. Uh, oh, the, the Firebird. Trans Am. Trans Am, no. I thought you were going to no. pick the Trans Am. I thought he was going to go with one of those really tiny electric cars. Smokey and the Bandit vehicle is what I thought you were going to take. How about the Duke of Hazards, right? There yeah. you go. Nice. All right, what is your dream vacation, and what port is your cruise ship going to go to? I know you're a cruise guy, so I just assumed it's a cruise. <laughs> yeah, I, we, you know, because we do a lot, we've do we been to almost every island in the Caribbean. So there's a lot of islands there, 
And I guess my favorite port to really go to would be the Barbados. Okay. I like Barbados. It's it's there's a lot of English people there. It's Beautiful easy beaches. to get around, but that that water is crystal clear and that sand is just as fine as can be. I'm telling you what, you get on that beach, and I'm telling you what, there's no, I don't care how much you shake off, how much you brush off, you're still going to have that sand, you're going to have a coffee cup full in the, Every on you, no matter body. what. You can't get that stuff off. It's going to be there for like a week. Oh, you know, when we get back on a cruise ship, and I, I feel sorry for them people, when, oh. we, when that cruise ship stops at Barbados, they got to fight that sand all the time. There are people dragging that stuff. You can't get that stuff off. <laughs> It is just like, I mean, so I just, it is so fine, and it is so nice there. The water is that crystal blue color, you know, and then water's warm. Last time I was there, it was so hot. You know, we had got the chair and the umbrella. We couldn't, you couldn't hardly walk. We were only maybe 30 feet from the edge of the water. You couldn't even walk on that sand from 30 feet to the water because it would burn your feet. Wow. It was that hot outside that day. So you just had to stay under the umbrella? Or? Oh, you had to. You you were going to get toast. Wow. And if you get in the water, you know, you really got to stay up to your neck because you get out of the water, the reflection from that sun will burn you. <laughs> Fry you to freaking... But yeah, that that's probably my favorite port. The second place would probably be Aruba. Okay. And that's one place we're going to go to this year. We're actually going to spend two days in Aruba this year. We are like me too. We? No, no. Oh, no. I, I was hoping. But if you ever want to snorkel, my I best, lo- uh, the best place to snorkel that I've found, believe it or not, is Honduras. Okay. Yeah, I've done that at uh, what? Uh, where, where did I do that? I don't know where you went. I didn't go with. I didn't get an invite. I'm sorry. Where was that though? Uh, Cayman Islands. That's where I went. Oh, I've been to. Yeah, I've been to the Cayman that, Islands. That was some good snorkeling right there. That that can be. But there's a lot better. Okay. Honduras, you said? Yeah, because if you go to Honduras, you got to remember that water there is really clear. And you can see from the top of the water to the bottom of the ocean, 125 feet down, that's like looking through the window. Wow. I'm going there next. That sounds it like is unbelievable. And they say that the scuba diving is even better yet. But I just, huh. I'm just not a big scuba diver. I don't like to get in there. When fish start to get, when I see fish that are bigger than me, I'm heading back to shore. <laughs> I'm just, not, I'm just, I, I'm just, I get pretty nervous. Yeah. I, I did see a pretty good sized shark in Honduras, and that guy, they're they're very protective of their reef in Honduras. Okay, so you could not go out on your own. You had to have a guide. Yeah, and this guy that was with him, I swear to God, he was half fish. And man, that guy, he can swim like no tomorrow. Hmm. I bet he's been doing it for oh, his whole sure. life. Oh, probably. It didn't, didn't nothing to go for him to go 30, 40 feet to the bottom and pick something up. <laughs> I don't know how he could stand the the pressure. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure. You know, but he went down there and come back up and never lose air or anything. He never, never really had a snorkel. All he ever wore when we was there was all he wore was goggles. <laughs> he just could hold his breath that long. Yeah, he could hold his breath that long and swim fast. My goodness. No vest, no nothing. No life jacket, no nothing. You know, I always wear the vest because even though I can swim, and I don't care if you're an avid swimmer or whatever, you're going to get tired. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you're snorkeling, you're moving, you're swimming all the time. You're gonna, and if you get tired, guess what? You got to get to shore. 
Yeah, well, plus you're on vacation. You don't want to be doing... Right, so, but if you got that little vest, you can take the air out of it. You can blow it up to whatever you want. And you know, it's kind of nice to float around. It kind of keeps you floating. You just keep... You need to float around and use your fins. You can move around quite a ways, you know. Mm-hmm. But the vest, I always say, get the vest. It's way better. I see people don't want to wear the vest so I can swim. Well, guess what? You, you know, can't enjoy yourself. Yeah. You want to sit there and just float. Mm-hmm. So you're saying invest in the vest. Yeah, I got all my own snorkel equipment, so. Oh, nice. Well, there's nothing worse than going there. And then, you know, that stuff don't fit you right. Because there's all these face masks and goggles. Everybody's face is different. Yeah, so you're going to get water in your mask. Yep, you're going to get water in your mask. And you're not going to enjoway it. You're, you're going three, 4,000 miles away from home. Yeah, you know, the worst thing you want to do is get down there and not have something that's not going to fit. Well, especially you're paying all that money just to get there. And all of a sudden you're like, well, if I would have paid an extra, what? What is it, 50 bucks maybe for a... Yeah. I bought them. I bought them full face. Oh, yeah, that's the going thing right now, full face. So it's, like so it's going to be interesting. We go on a cruise this thing and see if all these cruise ships actually have full faced ones now. You oh. get get away from the goggles. Yeah, because people I feel like you can see a lot more. Yeah, you can see a lot more of the full face marks because hmm. you're breathing through. It goes all the way down around your chin. Yeah, so you have that much more. Room so, to like you, and... you got a full beard. You're going to have a hard time getting that seal. Oh yeah. You have to use what they what what a lot of people do is they use a lot of Vaseline. Mm. You use the Vaseline on your beard to get that. Get it's, that. It's like a caulking, so it, so it seals that keeps the water out. So it's airtight. So it's airtight. Yep. <laughs> Maybe you can find them. Uh... Them models and they can lube you up. There we go. Last time I was on a cruise, I met two, two models. Well, I met one model and then her friend, which was who could have been a model, but she was the camera person. So <laughs> there you go. That was fun. I missed that. <laughs> What's your next question? That was my last, that was my last. Oh, that was yours. All right. Um, well, we already answered my last fourth one, so I'm gonna make up another one. <laughs> well, I was going to talk about the aerospace program, but we covered that pretty well. Yeah, I think we got all of that covered. Yeah. All right. Um, since you're a golfer, who's your uh, who's your favorite golfer of all time? My favorite golfer of all time was Payne Stewart. Ooh. I always liked his outfits. Payne Stewart always like the wore knickers. the knickers. Yep. He wore them knickers. I wore the knickers for a Halloween costume once. I remember that. Actually, was got that, second place. Was that that was pretty recent? Like, no, no that's that's been, that's that's cool. look how long we've been away from the bowling alley. That was during the bowling alley. Oh, oh shoot, I bet that's six, seven, eight years ago. Felt like it was way. That was that was. Earlier. I took second place that year. Remember? Yep. Dang, that's pretty sweet. I still have the outfit. That you should wear that next time you go golfing. I've been thinking about it. Do it. I want to. I'll go. I'll golf with you. Hey, we went. We went this Sunday, and guess yeah. who we saw out there? Guess Some guy was there. out there with a kilt. Who? We Some don't guy, know him. Some guy know. was wearing a oh. kilt while he was golfing. I was like, God dang it, I should have worn mine. I thought it was somebody that we knew. I was like, no. oh, I want to know who that is. No. <laughs> no, he was wearing a kilt. That's impressive. I saw that one time, or I guess I didn't see it. I've heard of it at a disc golf tournament. Somebody wore, wore a, kilt. a kilt. Yeah. Made me want to bust out mine. I was like, God, oh, you should. It's funny, though. You don't see professional golfers wearing knickers anymore. No. Not like you did... No, with older timers, there was always three or four guys that wore knickers all the time with Payne Stewart when he was warm. Do you ever remember anybody wearing a kilt on the tour? Not that I, I can't remember. 
I remember a few people wearing knickers, but I don't think I've ever remember a kilt. I know Jasper Parnick, he always wore that hat with the bill up. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. I just watched a movie with him on there. I was like, whatever happened to that guy? Does he retire? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't even see him on the senior tour. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe he just got sick of it. And he's like, you know what? I'm not doing Probably this. Probably made enough money. Yeah. What, what do you do? If you're a professional golfer, most people, when they retire, they go to play golf. Like, what do you do as a professional golfer? Get a job. Get a job. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, well, um, yeah, we don't have any uh, any questions for you based on you. you. We're going to start getting into the topic. But before we get into the topic, do you have any questions for us that you want to know either about the podcast, about us in particular? Well, no, not really. I guess I don't really have any questions. Okay. Like, okay. I kind of know what you guys do, so. Yeah. And you know a lot about us. Bunch We've already go- talked a lot Bunch about of goofballs, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, sweet. Let's get into our topic then. Our topic, again, like we've talked about a little bit before, it's owning your own business. So we're going to talk to Fred about aspects of his business, what what he likes, what he doesn't like, what uh, all, what got him into it, and all this kind of stuff. All so, areas of it. Yep. So my first question is, what is the best or the worst part about owning your own business in your eyes? Well, the best part, I would start with the best part. The best part is you get to name your own hours. You get to do what you want to do. You can schedule your times off. You can do a lot of things that you normally wouldn't do on a nine-to-five, five-day-a-week job, you know. So I can schedule stuff around certain things, you know. So if I want a day off, I can schedule my own day off. Yeah. The worst case this thing is is when when you can't, get there and it rains or your trucks broke down and then the customers are calling and they said well why can't you why can't you get there tomorrow well we're four to six weeks out you know it gets a little tough and then well we're gonna go find somebody else oh that that kind of hurts i had that job and i can't do it because i can't get there i guess that's that's the worst part of the whole thing you know it's just like one time it, it rained that one year we i can remember in May, there's 31 days in May. It rained 23. Wow. We could use that now. <laughs> we could use that now. <laughs> yeah. So we went around, we pumped in the rain, and I didn't plug any of the holes. Because huh. when we get done, we got to plug the hole up from drilling. Yep. So then I had to go back and plug all them holes and then collect the checks. Yeah. So you had... So the worst part is just like... Basically losing business without having anything to do with what you were doing. Right. That would not be fun. Right. No. Man. Do you feel like uh, guys, when they're starting out, starting their business, they take a little advantage of their scheduling? Yeah, I think that's the problem. A lot of guys, when they start their own business, think, I'm starting my own business. I'll take this day off. I'll do this. I can got that. I got some money rolling in. You know, when the money starts rolling, you think, oh, I can take a few days off. Now money's going good. Business is going good. But guess what? There's always those hard times. You know, like they keep going where the money's going. 20 years, 20 years, we've seen economies go bust or they've been fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I can remember. About eight, nine years ago when all these homeowners were going under. 
these foreclosures at home. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but when them homes were going into foreclosure, nobody had any money. Guess what? Our business was did not ring. And one thing I can tell you for sure is nine one one. Nine one one. When nine one one, when them towers no, went down, yeah. Guess what? It was like somebody cut the phone cord. Mm. We did not take one phone call for six weeks. Wow. We were 10 weeks out at that point. (laughs) So we were very, very lucky. And none of them people canceled. Hmm. So you actually, so you basically just worked the business that you had, but then at that point. And we were lucky because that we had enough work to get through the season. Mm-hmm. At that point, because nine one one happened in September. Yeah, so people were just like, "Okay, well, I already have this scheduled, so we're just going to get this." Through, we're going to get it done no matter what. But so we were lucky, is, lucky. Yeah. And then the following year, we went back to the home shows, and it was a little somber, but we made it, you know. Mm-hmm. But businesses were there were a lot of businesses that had to close. There was no business. People weren't doing nothing. People were scared. Yeah. Well, they didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know what was going to happen. Everybody thought we were going to go. Go to war. Yep. At that point, people were scared, scared. Yeah, so they're not like, "Hey, I need to fix this sidewalk." Like, they're just like, "Well, there's other other priorities right now." <laughs> so I, I can imagine your your age. You were still in high school at that point. You wasn't even I, in high school. I was in middle school. At he was that in middle point. school. Yeah. See, so you you didn't really pay much attention at that time. Not to, like, businesses and stuff. No, like I me, was, I yeah. was scared because I thought, oh, man, I put all this in there and I thought I was going to lose the business. Yeah, because how that was pretty early into the business. Yeah, 911, 2001. Was that what, what year, how long have, did you have We'd the business? We only just started. You just started. Yeah, they were only a year that in. A, that was your year first in. year? Wow. That must have been really scary because, obviously, like you said, like, it's the first five years that really matter. That's when you... Make it or break it. You got that right. <laughs> no, so just, that was, was going to be a rough start. We thought, holy buckets, this is a rough start. Yeah. Well, obviously, you made it through, though. You've we spent made 20 it years. <laughs> we've, we've had some tough times, I'll tell you. It's not all peaches and cream. We should start a peaches and cream business, then. It's always peaches <laughs> it's and always cream. always peaches and cream. Yeah. I guess I never even gave that a thought, either. Yeah, a lot of people think they start their own business. They think all these business owners. I tell you, the biggest thing that I think people think, you know, they go to a business and think, oh, this guy's really doing well. Well, yeah, there's guys out there that are doing, there are businesses that are doing really well. But guess what? He's got a lot of responsibility. And guess what? It only takes one person to come in here and sue them people and take every dime they got in a couple hours. That's why you see some of these big companies you think these merging, you've probably heard of mergers. Yep. These companies merging. You know why they're merging? Because they're going broke. Nobody knows it. They don't want nobody to know it. So they just sell out. So they just sell out, get the heck out before they actually do go broke. Mm-hmm. Save a dollar. Well, save the, the, the employees, too. Yeah. Well, that's why Sears, for instance, let Kmart take all their stuff. Well, they weren't stupid. Mm-hmm. They got their money out of that. They were going downhill. There's a lot of companies like that. Yeah. Now look at Kmart. They're not even hardly around. Yeah. I don't even know if there's a Kmart store around anymore. I don't think there's any. I don't, I, I don't remember the last time I saw one. 
right. Um, how did you start? How did your journey start in starting your business? Like, what made you want to go into business for yourself? Well, when I worked for the aerospace, and then I went to ASRM, and then I went to Wartzilla Diesel, and that was another government job. So I worked for Wartzilla Diesel, and we were, were supposed to build diesel engines for the for the Navy, because all these Navy ships were going to get rebuilt. They all had to be double hull. They were all single hull ships. All these ships were all single hulls, and when they put the double hull, and they were going to cut the holes in them and replace all the engines in there before they put the double hull on. So we were hoping to get that contract. And I worked there seven years. Never built one. Did nothing for seven years. Really? Like, uh, what, what do you mean you did nothing? So they just didn't well, have they, it we blew, actually, blew up rats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> freezing. But Fre- freezing it, the rats for seven years. So we did a lot of training. We did okay. a lot of... We did a lot of building of platforms and tools and stuff like that. We went to Finland twice. I've been to Sweden twice. We did all this training. Actually, Sweden gave us a few engines to build over here. And then Sweden or Finland gave us a few engines to build over here. Well, when them contracts run out, then we had to hit the service field. Because okay. we were still waiting to get that contract. Yeah. So when you were going overseas, you were training? Is that what they were Yeah, we were oh, training. okay. So they were just paying you just because they knew this might be coming in. Well, the the deal with the government is, was you get a contract like that, you had to have a company installed and you had to have so many employees employed in order to get this contract. And if we would have got that contract, I'd have still been there today. Oh, wow. Because that was a huge contract. You were mm-hmm. talking about a 20-year contract. Wow. And you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of engines. So that was not... And you're talking about big engines. You're talking about 300 ton. Wow. Yeah, you're talking Long ship. These, these ships are huge. Yeah. These big... These aircraft carriers and stuff, they have huge engines on them. Because they got to fly across that water. Yeah. So you would have been doing that for... 20 years rather than I would have been in the I would have been in the factory Pistons probably the size of this room wouldn't it the Pistons are a little bit bigger than this table wow bigger than a 55 gallon drum I guess (laughs) I can tell you that and you remember those engines you can only lift 5% of the parts by hand everything had to be by crane 5% is all you could do but the bolts well about it that thing is that's huge yeah nuts three stories high wow one engine is three stories high. Yep. <laughs> so then when we didn't get the contract, guess what happened? Shut the plant down. I was out. Yes. So then I came home and I told the wife, I says, I'm going to the seminar to start my own business. She says, the hell you are. You got three kids in the house. You're going to go out and find a damn job. <laughs> I said, no, we're not. We're going to go to the seminar. We're going to start our own business. And then this is how I got started into this. Yeah. So... I'm assuming, was it all the people that you worked with, those 13 people? I think you said 13, right? Yep. That that went out and did this? They did the same thing. Yeah. They did the same thing? Yeah, but you didn't know the 13. I didn't know. Oh, you didn't know. Okay. I thought you knew. I them. didn't know. Not one of them. Okay. So it was up to me to go investigate all these people. Wow. You, I remember as a kid, though, you weren't looking at this business to start. No. At first, we were, he was looking at the I transmission. Went to a se- well, it was a seminar. Okay. It was a seminar, so what they did is they take your they take your financial background, they take your interests, and 
And then they say, okay, these are the businesses that are out there that are looking for franchises. So mine came up to transmission, rebuilding. Uh, one was cabinet refacing and then this concrete leveling. Well, the concrete, I looked at the cabinet facing first, you know, because that was the cheapest one. I was like, then I got to thinking, I started investigating. Yeah, that's a pretty good deal, but who are you dealing with? Who are you going to deal with cabinet facing? You're going to deal with 67-year-old people. You know what 67-year-old people are like? They're picky. Very picky. I, I've dealt with them, a lot yeah. of them. They're very picky. Nope, that's not for me. So then I went to transmission rebuilding, and I thought, let me try this. And this guy says, call this guy, this guy, and this guy. Give me three guys to call. So I called the first one, and the guy says, oh, yeah, business is good. He's going great. So I thought, well, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Called the second one, same thing. Called the third one, same thing. Business great, going good, everything like this. And I thought, something's fishy. Hmm. I says, so then I got to looking at that. Then I says, where's the list of all your business? I want to know where they're at because I need to know where I can go to start my own business. I want to see. So then I thought, damn it, I'm going to call a different guy. I called this guy and he says, this is bullshit. He says, these damn cars, the new cars are coming out with transmissions that last forever. And all these fleet things are going. Everybody's getting their own mechanics to rebuilding their own transmissions. He says, business is terrible. You'll never make it. Wow. So you, thought, you think they set you up? Huh? You think they tried setting you up then? They tried to set me up. Wow. So Here, then call the, these three guys because these three guys are the most successful. So then I on got the into concrete. So then I got into concrete leveling and I thought, I got to go out and visit this stuff because it's the only way you're going to get to anybody in the concrete level business. You had to go, you had to go visit. So the closest one was Louisville at that time because I was living in Indiana. So I went to Louisville and this guy was fantastic. He says, Holy cow. He says, he was telling me, he says, you can't pump it up fast enough. Hmm. So then I went to, uh, Indianapolis and I went and looked at that guy. Holy cow. He was showing me the book. They were so damn busy. You couldn't, you couldn't, they could, they had, Two trucks going, and they still could, they could not pump that stuff up fast enough. <laughs> they were the same way. And they were young guys like me, and they just like, they were all welders, and I was like, holy cow, he says, this is fantastic. And, I, and then I told him I wanted to come to Minnesota, and that guy comes up here and says, there's limestone up there, he says. And I looked around and thought, shit, there's concrete sunk everywhere. And that's big, they were right. And that's where we got started, and this is where we ended up, and it's been crazy ever since, except for a couple of years. Like I yeah, explained yeah. earlier, you know, you're in economic turndown, like 911, and you're foreclosing your home, and now we have this pandemic, yeah. you know. Yeah. So there's, there's, you know, businesses are, you saw some businesses close from the pandemic. Well, there's. People that are, they're still in business, but they're not doing right. it well. And right, right now, our biggest problem is parts. Can't get parts, can't get anybody to work on trucks. Like, my truck is down right now. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And all these new trucks that. now are all specialized. You have to have a specialized mechanic because everything is computerized. And everybody's busy. And they have to be trained. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's busy. So when my truck broke down, the first guy I called, he was going to be a week and a half. The next guy was two weeks. The third guy was three weeks out. I'm like, holy crap, what am I going to do? I can't be down that long. I'm a seasonal guy. Yeah. So then I went back to this other place, and they could get me in on Monday. So There you go. So... Hopefully, I'll get it back Tuesday or Wednesday this week. I can go back to work. <laughs> That'd be nice. 
Dang. So it's kind of stressful. I got the work of the book, yeah. but can't do it. <laughs> so I'm under stress right now. Yeah, I can imagine. Damn. Uh, would you have uh, done anything different with your business knowing what you know now? Like, I know you had, like, those other options. Would you have done anything different, like, knowing what you know now? I don't know if I could... That that's a hard one to say because it you know you didn't have the experience and and the franchise didn't have experience. There's been a lot of changes in 20 years. Yeah, you know equipment has changed and the way we do our process of doing the work has changed and you know everything. I think the way the truck is set up has changed. You know if I if I know what I know now the way the truck was set up and I was 20 years younger because I've been in this 20 years. Let me tell you what, I've probably been retired in 10 years. Hmm. Because... Price of things were so much cheaper. Things are going so much smoother. Mm. You know, so, you know, we're doing... we That first year, I would have liked to have had a camera and see what the hell we did. We because, talk about it all the time. It's like, holy cow, some of these jobs were taking us forever. Now I could do these jobs in 10 minutes. You know, it's like, that's a big we, difference. We That's we, a huge difference. I remember our first year, we... When I was working with Dad, we'd work all day for nine hundred dollars to to do a nine hundred dollar job, and we thought, we might "This was get a that good done. day. This is a really good day." Now we could do nine hundred dollars in like an hour, two. <laughs> wow! You know, it's, that's that's the difference. Yeah. Problem is, is that truck pumps so much faster. Okay. You know, it, the the deal is is. The pump, you got to get the material out of the truck, get it under the concrete. Concrete. The faster you get the material out of the truck and under the concrete, boom. The faster you get done, the more money you make. Yeah. It's all about getting the material out of the truck and getting it under the concrete. Yeah. Without that, breaking it. Get that time is money. Time is money. Well, that—that's the equation, right? And you got to know what you're doing. It's hole placement is a big deal. Oh yeah, because if you even I, I bet you can have you can be. Two inches off, and you're gonna struggle. Wow! I had one. I had one situation. We had a step in the back of the house on a patio. Had a step. I drilled it like I normally do. The dang thing was not moving. I couldn't get it to go the way I wanted it to go. I thought I need to move that hole over about three inches. Found out the hole where I drilled from the first one moved it over three inches. Found out it was about twelve inches thick. So my material wasn't getting underneath the mass of the weight. When you pump that in there, you got to get under the mass of the weight of the concrete because that's just the way it was poured. You have no idea how that thing is poured. Well, yeah, because it could have been done from any company and they could yep. be doing it differently. Yep, they could be all doing different. Pump that in and we were done in five minutes. Here yeah. we spent two hours on it. Craziest thing is, is the bigger the slab, the easier it is to move. Yes. The smaller the slab, the harder. Really? Yes. Huh. Because there's more surface. Yeah. There's it more counterweights. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. A lot of people don't know, don't realize that. They're like, yeah. oh, it's a real small. Well, that's a real small piece. It's the toughest job that we're going to. Yeah, you're you're the toughest one I have this month. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if you're listening and you're pouring an apron, we recommend that you pour an apron minimal of four, four foot sections. Four right? feet to six feet. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say the wouldn't you say the the, the little one foot aprons is probably the hardest thing to raise. They're the hardest thing. Aprons are the hardest thing to raise. Hmm. So, 
All right. Um, what do you think is the hardest part starting out? What was the hardest part starting out? I think the hardest part of starting out is you're going to get tired. I mean, you got to work this thing, and you're going to run into problems, and you got to make these decisions. You got to make decisions on the run, and you don't have the experience. And you know, you got all these, you know, you get breakdowns, and you get customers are crabby, and you didn't do a good job, and you. You know, you just got one thing I and pretty soon it's all piling up on you, and it's like, holy buckets, you're working 15 hours a day, and you, it seems like you're just spinning your wheels, nothing's going right, truck's breaking down, and the customers are calling, and crabby, and you didn't raise this one up high enough, or this one's not level, and, and it's like, holy cow, you didn't clean your mess up good enough, you know, it's just one thing after another. You start out, it's, it, it, can com- it can compound on you. And if you're not keep going at it and keep beating the bushes and keep pounding on it, you're probably not going to make it. Well, yeah, because you got to have that determination to just. You keep, have to keep have going. that determination. You got to get over them deals because there's going to be customers who are going to get mad at you, and there's going to be next customer who's going to get in a truck with you. <laughs> wow. I'm telling you, and I've had both, and I had. I'll tell you what, I had when I first started out. I ran across an old stubborn German guy. And he told me, he says, I'm an old stubborn German guy. He argued with me, and he got mad at me. We yelled at each other. And I told him, I said, I couldn't raise it the way he wanted me to raise it. I said, it's got to be this way or I can't do it. Well, I raised it the way I it was. And he got mad, and when I got all done, I says, you're not happy. I says, I'm not going to charge you for it. That's just my policy. If you're not happy with what I've done, I'm not going to charge you for it. Well, you know what he did? He says, I'm a little stubborn guy. He says, he shook my hand. He says, I'm going to get over it someday. He says, and I says, you're going to take this check, he says, and you're going to cash it. I said, okay. And he says, if you don't, I'm going to check my bank account. If you don't, he says, I'm going to show up on your doorstep. And he says, I'm going to take you to the bank my personally so you can cash that check. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm going to cash the check. <laughs> So I cashed the check, and he was happy. And I actually did run into him again, and he was happy as hell as after what I did. Wow, that's really cool. He was just happy to, to have that offer because... Yep, yeah. but he was an old stubborn German guy, and he told me, he said, I'm stubborn, but I'll get over it. Yeah. But it was funny. He says, I'm going to come to your house and make, take you to the bank and cash that check. <laughs> well, I didn't want him to come to the house. Yeah. Yep, you're just like, um, you can stay stay here. Um, I can handle myself. <laughs> I'll go to the bank. But then you then you get the other customers. You want to go to the other side. You think, we do get tips. What's the weirdest thing you think I got for a tip? Ooh, that's I, a I good think question. I, I think I know, but go ahead, because I think I got this tip. Um, Actually, I got two kind of weird tips. Kind of weird tips. I want to say... Like a an offer for a date or something. Nope. No. How about a roll of toilet paper? A roll of toilet paper. Yeah, remember in the pandemic when all the toilet paper came going yeah. missing? Yeah. Guy tipped us with toilet paper. He's like, here you go. Uh, yep, just I think Anna said no bullshit. Yeah, no, no bullshit. Jeez. <laughs> toilet paper. What was the other Interesting. one? Interesting. The other one, I got a jar of pickles. Interesting. A jar of pickles. Huh? Was it delicious? They were good. Yeah. Do you still have them? 
No. Oh, <laughs> I wanted to try cool. them. That'd be cool. I, I, maybe it was yesterday. And, it was, and you know, and that one day it was cold outside. We actually, the lady came out with chicken noodle soup. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know? And this year we've already got, uh, the lady gave us two dozen chocolate chip cookies. Oh, that's a good tip right there. I want cookies. You know, you get money here and there, but yeah. that's nothing but... Yeah, yeah, money's money. I mean, that's that's good to get money, but I mean, it's people give us gift cards once in a while, you know, but not a roll of toilet paper. Yeah, no, those aren't as memorable <laughs> as toilet paper. I think I, I think I still got the toilet paper. I think it's upstairs. I can show it to you. Man, I'm gonna start like thinking of things that I can give people just so they remember it. You know, just like go to go to places like I don't know what to do though. I'm gonna have to start thinking of ideas of things I can give. I like that though. Alright, what is the easiest or the hardest part about owning your business now? Well, I think the easiest part right now is the 20 years that we have underneath yeah. our belt. Yeah, the experience. The experience. Yeah. We have a customer base. We're getting word of mouth. People know who we are, what we do, that kind of stuff. I so, have shirts with your logo on it. So, yeah, people, <laughs> you know, like, I'm starting to run into people out in the public that know who I am and what business I'm run. Yep. But the hardest part right now, I think the hardest part now is, is you always get that thing is, am I going to break down here? My truck's broke down right now. It's like, oh, is it going to rain tomorrow? Is it, What's going to happen here? You know, and then you get these, you get these tricky jobs. You get those jobs now that, is this really going to look good after I get done? Mm. And now I've got enough experience now that I know if I raise this up, he's still not going to be happy. So why would I spend two hours over here trying to make him happy? Mm. Just walk away and just tell him, you know what? This is not going to turn out very good. It's just time to tear it out and start over. Yeah. Get- probably the hardest things to do to tell people they're wanting to try to save a dime mm-hmm. and you just can't help them yeah and it's heartening it's it's hard to tell people that but there's just certain situations you just it's just not it's just not poured right it's not built right it just needs tore out start over yeah well at least you're honest with them because i mean you're also taking money away from yourself because you're like well, well right now you spent all this time out there you made an appointment you go out there you, you know it's like oh i could have been doing something else yeah you know, yeah. could have been on the golf course for eighteen holes, <laughs> or yeah. doing or waiting for that German to come show up to make sure I cash that check. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you get a lot of return customers? Oh yeah, we get now twenty years now. We're actually getting a lot of return customers coming back, and it's funny too because you ask about that, you say, "Are you really pumping the same stuff you pumped before?" No, the stuff we pump is right where we left it. It's the stuff that's around it. It's sinking. Oh, so the the part part that you poured before is the good part now, and now you got to go do it. They right do next the door. other stuff. Yep, yep, it's next to it. It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Hmm. Well, it's good good for business, right? Yeah. <laughs> or you get a lot of repeat customers that are, that are sold that house and bought another one. Okay. Yep. And they know how to fix it. Hey, call this guy. This guy knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I was going to tell you, I do landscaping now and yep. lawn care. Yep. One of my accounts, they've done work at. That's cool. And I wore. I I was going to tell you that 
I wore with my last name. They go, Vandy Venter. They go, I know that name. I go, you had your concrete pumped on. And they go, yeah, how do you know that? I go, that was my dad. He goes, I knew that. I knew your name. He goes, Fred's your dad, huh? I go, yeah, Fred's my dad. They they pumped up the concrete. He goes, they do great work. They do great work. (laughs) And your mom is so nice. (laughs) But don't tell her that. (laughs) That's funny. Is it my turn? Um, Yeah, I think so. That was my three. Oh. Um, what or who was the biggest help when starting out the business other than mom? Ooh, that's a tough one because I didn't really get a whole lot of help. You know, because I started this and there was only 13 of us. And the franchise was still going through a lot of growing pains. We still didn't have the equipment. A lot of guys didn't really know what was going on. You know, I went out there for two weeks of training, but, you know, the franchise has only been out here four times. That's it. Wow. In 20 years. I haven't seen them now in, I'm going to say it's probably been 10, 11 years since I've seen them. Since you bought that air jack, right? Yeah. How long ago has that been? That was way down in Hutchinson when we did the armory down there. So they just know that you're going to do a good job, so they're just leaving you be. I guess. I don't know. I don't understand it. Hmm. So that gets a little tough, you know. So really, I never really can't name a person that really helped me out the most, Mm -hmm. you know, because actually almost reventing a wheel myself, you know. All right. But the guy that invented this, he he was a hydraulic man. Yeah, old Grover. His name was Grover. He's passed away now, you know. So, but uh, he he probably would have he probably helped me the most of anything on the hydraulic part of it. So when I did go visit him, I did learn a lot from him. Mm -hmm. So I wish he wish he could have been around a little longer. Yeah, if you want to really start out a business, when he started this business from the very beginning, he invented it by himself. Can you imagine using a 55-gallon drum and a hand pump? Wow. If you would have met Grover, Grover was a guy that you could have went like, hey, here is a here's a paper clip, a garage door opener, and a pump. And he'd be like, we're going to build something today. Wow. And he'd come up with something. The guy was one of the smartest guys I've ever met. He was met. a MacGyver. Yeah. And then you throw Dad's welding experience and his creativity with it. You could have thrown those two in the room, and they would have... It was it was crazy. I, I think the coolest thing I ever seen him build when he was alive, when I went out there building, he built a miniature hay baler that baled up leaves. And he made these little tiny bales. They were only like one foot squares. <laughs> it was just a little tiny hay baler. And he went around and, you know, he raked the leaves up. Yeah. And he'd go down there with his baler, and he'd bale them up, and make it into little squares, and tie them up like a regular hay bale. That's cool. Guy was so. So smart. you could take a huge pile, and you could make a little one foot square bale out of it. You wouldn't believe how many leaves it would take to do that, crushing them down. Why? Why didn't he sell those too? I'm sure he could make. A I don't know whatever that. happened to that concept because you don't even see that thing in the store. You don't yeah. see it. I don't know why they didn't patent that thing and they sell should. that nationwide because even like what Justin does is landscaping. When you pick up that stuff, you know, they blow that stuff in the back of the truck yeah. and a big, could you imagine if you had a baler and bail it up? All that, you could take a huge dump truck load of that stuff and you could probably have made three square bales out of it and that would have been it. Huh. 
Yeah. I need to find this thing so I can start a business. Right? It was the coolest thing I ever seen. The crazy thing about the guy was, he was obviously he was rich. Had an immaculate uh, wood shop, but he drove a little S10 pickup, <laughs> beat up to beat hell. He lived in an old farmhouse, and he did pretty much the same stuff as like an old guy. You know, he'd go yeah. into the go to the diner, go have breakfast every morning, drink some coffee. I go, these guys, people, and people didn't even like. I'm like, this guy's a multi, probably a multimillionaire, and nobody even can. Hydraulic guy. Wow. Made tools for everything. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, if he had if if he needed a tool, he just built it himself a lot of the time. So well, it saves him money there too. Like that, just so that's where my business thrives from from him. So yeah. he would be the guy that probably helped me out the most. Grover. All right, going from away from people, what do you think is the best piece of equipment that you've bought that's helped you out? I'd say the best piece of equipment I ever bought would probably be that daggone power washer. Oh, oh the cleanup is just. Well, you know, you got to remember, you get a big old driveway or something, and you're pumping a drive up. And you got to remember, you got it's mud. It's just like a mud, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, if you took a water hose out there, how long do you think it's going to take you to wash it off with a water hose? A long time. It probably take you an hour and a half. You can take a power wash and wash it off in twenty minutes. You think that's yeah. what was taking so long your first year? Yep. Yeah, the power washer is the big time saver, huh? We started out with a little old John Deere power washer. Wow. They don't even make them anymore. Yeah. A little portable yeah. electric unit. Yeah. Now you got your now you got a big one, I bet. Now you got a big one. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the face that you made. That was awesome. <laughs> Sorry you guys couldn't see that. Alright, here we go. If you had all the advertising money in the world, where would you spend your money first? Like if you if you did if money wasn't an object on advertising, what do you think you'd do? Boy, that's a tough one because I never spend any money on advertising. <laughs> it's all it's I all, named it. I call, I thought I, I I really can't even answer that question because I I don't spend any time. I don't I haven't never spent any money on advertising. When I first started this business, all our advertising went in the phone books. Everybody okay, had yellow yeah. pages. Yep. There was no internet. There was no search engines. There was no Google. There was none of this stuff yep. when I started. And now look, we got everybody's got a smartphone. Mm-hmm. Nobody had smartphones. Everybody had landlines. Yep. Landlines and yellow pages. So if your name wasn't in that yellow pages, you weren't getting any business. <laughs> so now you ask, well. Where would I spend the money? I don't know where I'd spend the money. I, I can't even answer that question because I got 20 years in my thing. I do spend money on DexYP on the internet, which helps on the Google engines. Yeah. And that franchise takes care of the website. So they have all the search words into that thing and yeah. search people thing. So I don't, you know, and I've got enough business and customer base. I I don't. I can't even answer that question. I don't know where I would ever spend that money. Well, plus well, it I'd is a franchise. I'd put that money so. in my pocket and take a trip to the Caribbean. There you go. <laughs> that, that's perfect. Why spend it? Yeah. He, put it in a pocket. When we were going over questions, I go, I put money on it. And then he says, either I don't know or I don't spend money on it. Like, yeah. No, that makes sense. Like, I mean, especially like it is a franchise. So, I mean, they probably put the money into the search for engine. So, I mean, you already have Google, so you don't have to worry about that. I mean... 
What's he spending on being on the podcast? What a hundred thousand? So like almost nothing. Yeah, we got see, a fat check. I, I, I pay. I pay the franchise a percentage. You know. So, <laughs> oh yeah. And yep. they take care of. That. And I get all my parts for my truck at cost. You got to remember now. There's fifty some franchises right now. Fifty plus. Wow. So when they let's say let's say uh, like my back of my engine, I have a sprocket that runs a chain. One sprocket. There's actually four sprockets on, but one sprocket. You take that by times fifty. So when they go make them things, they're making a hundred thousand of them. So when you make a hundred thousand parts, you order a hundred thousand parts, and you got three, four pallets full of that stuff. You don't think you're going to get that part for pennies on the dollar? Yeah. Versus being a separate business by yourself and trying to go get that part individual or get it machined. Yeah, you get a machine and all that stuff. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah, because you're going to buy every. If you buy it in bulk, it's going to be way cheaper than just buying Ooh. an individual. Yeah, that's just like the brochure. We have brochures. We go. When I go to the home show, I can hand them out by the dozens because it's only costing me seventeen cents a piece. I tried to make one myself. That was a mistake. Mm. I found out by the time I got it made, it was going to cost me three dollars and seventy-five cents per <sighs> brochure versus the franchise thing. Is getting them for seventeen cents because they're making them by the millions. Yeah, well, plus then you they don't make have to them. Put the they only make them like for right now. They're only making them a five year in a five year span. That's how many they're making. So these are all these brochures are on the shelf. There's millions of them there. So when I order a brochure, they take that brochure and all they do is run it back through the printer and they put my phone number on it. That's it. Huh. Phone number and my address. That's it. Yeah. Boom. So you just run them through the machine, put them in a box, and ship them to me. Because huh. they only order them brochures every five years. Yeah. There's, they got that many brochures on the shelf. And then in five years, they might change the brochure. They might change some pictures yeah. or whatever. Yeah. They've done that a couple times. But that's how they do that. That's why that's the benefit of having a franchise versus your own. So when I went to that seminar and started this business... When you buy into a franchise, you have 80% chance of surviving. If you own your own business and start something out beyond a franchise, your survival rate is down to 20%. Wow. It's that much. That's why you see a lot of restaurants. You see a lot of stores. Um, you, you, you know you see all these little odd and in stores you've seen and you've seen restaurants yep. that are not friendly you see them come and go by days and nights that's why they can't survive all right well then um what is uh what is one of the most memorable moments of working on the job like what's a story you can tell us or something like the job's like like a funny moment or a bad customer you had to deal with well i i think i probably got one one of each here i think the funniest moment ever came up to was be we had this we had a foreigner or Asian guy and we always talked about pumping things up well Justin always made a comment and says you pump up my concrete you always say when he, he called mom he said pump up my concrete well <laughs> guess what awesome. happened we had this guy called up and first thing he says he says you come pump up my concrete you pump up my concrete okay Huh. And she says, Justin, stop it. Quit doing that all the time. Here it was, his actual customer. Yeah. And it was pretty <laughs> I, funny. I used to do it all the time. I'd call her from like baseball practice and be like, 
Hey, you come pump my concrete up? You come pump pump tomorrow. You pump my concrete. <laughs> so that was really funny, you know. And he thought, well, okay. And then she finally said, and then she got embarrassed because it was actually a customer. Well, then we go to meet this guy, and this guy's a hoot and a half. Yeah. And he says, you pump up all my concrete. He says, you do it all, he says. And I says, okay. <laughs> so he keeps, I keep saying that over and over. You pump this concrete up? You pump this concrete up? <laughs> and it just kept going on. It actually got the job, and and he was tickled pink, and he'd, he'd call me back. And he'd call me back almost every year, like, you got to come pump my concrete back up. Really? Like, yeah, yeah. It was, oh, wanna, it, it's just the way he talked. It was really quick, really short, and everything. It was, it was just funny. Just always wanted to have a little bit more, more pump. I got lumps all every time. Yeah. Oh, it was hilarious <laughs> the way he talked and everything. But then, they, then you get the other side. You get the worst customers, and it's like, oh lordy, what do we do next? You I, want, know? I want to hear yours because I got one. I got Which one that, that I remember. The one that I remember that bugged me the most was the lady when I when I went to go hook up the water, and I drug the water because we oh, need, you need water. You that need was water probably to mix. the worst condition. I went to go hook up the water hose, so you got a water hose that connects straight to the truck, So, and you got to hook up to their faucet. I go and hook up the hose, and I drag it out, and she comes out yelling at me. She goes, what do you think you're doing? I go, I need water, ma'am. I got to hook up to the water. She goes, no, get your hose off my yard. I don't know if you know this, but I have the nicest yard in this, in this neighborhood, and you are creasing my grass. Creasing the grass. Yeah. I got yelled bending. at. We were bending the grass. We were bending the grass. So I had to run my hose like up and on top of her bushes and around and then down the sidewalk. I couldn't. You couldn't walk on the grass. You couldn't. She wanted us to come back with a rake and straighten it up. Really? Where and this, she was not joking one bit. Wow. Where was this at? In uh, St. Cloud. So, yeah. She says, I have a reputation to stand up in this this community. I'd be like, um, first of all, you live in St. Cloud. Um, <laughs> so not, not so when we got that job, we actually got it from a concrete guy that pours concrete. And he's the one that sent us over there. And the next time I saw him, I chewed him out. I said, don't you ever send me to a customer. He laughed his ass off. And he was, he says, I had to send somebody else over there because I wasn't going to go back there either. He said, I says, well, thanks a lot for sending me. Was that TJ? Uh, what was that? Was it TJ? Yeah, it was TJ. Uh. But that was really funny. It's like, no, you got to be kidding me. Bending the grass. That's I had never. Yeah. She chewed you know, you know, We get complaints. You don't clean up good enough or, you yeah. know, stuff like that, you know. And, you know, sometimes it's not quite level. We got to come back and retouch the things up. You know, that's okay. That don't bother me too much. But bending the grass, that is putting it over the top. Bending grass. How do you cut your lawn then? It was perfect. Yeah, it was plush it was she had a beautiful lawn there was no tire marks on that grass whatsoever i don't know how they cut that without any tire marks from the lawnmower i don't know how they did that but Probably it did, was like did like the, the mission thinking, impossible thing right. with not with scissors just well i'm thinking you must have had a it must have had some kind of rake system behind the lawnmower to had to, to pull that up to, to keep it nice because there was no tire marks whatsoever wow. unless she raked it herself maybe they mowed it and then she raked it herself <laughs> it was insane. 
never not my career to ever see something like that. Was that the one you were thinking of, or were you thinking? Yeah, of that? I was. I was trying to think. I, I had to, when you mentioned that. That has to be the worst one ever. Like, I have OCD, but that is a whole nother level. Oh, Besides the German I told you earlier yeah. in the show, that was pretty funny, but he was, I mean, we were yelling at each other, but when it got to the end there, when he says, I'll show up at your house and take you to the bank to make sure you cash that check, it's like, okay. Well, that's a different, because that turned it around. Like, this right. lady, turned you, around. you didn't have a turnaround with right. her, like... No, this lady, she was uh, out, she was out there. This, do you think she's ever going to be a callback? We never went back. No. I don't care if she was going to call me back. I wasn't going back. (laughs) Do you remember her name? So if she does, okay. (laughs) But I wouldn't know if I showed up at the house. Yeah, for sure. And you'd be like, you know what? I have another job I got to get to. (laughs) Well, there's just certain customers you just don't forget. Yeah. And that's a memorable one for sure. Do you you remember the senile lady that talked to herself and you could hear different voices coming up? You remember that lady? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did a job for a lady... And uh, he, he he filled the holes, and then I went back to scrape them and all that, you know. And I'm sitting there, and the dad's talking to the husband, and the lady's sitting on the front porch swinging. And all of a sudden, I hear her talk, and I'm like, okay. And then all of a sudden, I hear another voice, and then she'd answer. And I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And all of a sudden, I look up, and there's nobody next to her, nobody around. I'm like, oh, she must be talking to somebody inside through the door window. And I kept going and kept going, and then all of a sudden I watched her one time, and I heard this different voice come out of her, vo- out of her, and it was like a, it was like a guy's voice. Yeah, it was totally two different voices, two totally completely. different, completely voices. Really? So she had a, she had a split personality, is what it was. Wow. And that's what a, that's what he was telling me, and she does that all the time. He huh. says she sits in the house like that all the time. He says it's crazy. I don't know how you could. I don't know how you deal with that. Is it just the two? Because I've heard of that, but I've I've heard that it. it could she be probably two had multiple, but I only saw two. Yeah. And dude, it freaked me out. I was like, because I mean, it was night and day, like it was yeah. a woman's voice, and then it was a. I don't know what we should do after this. You know, maybe we. But not even close to her. No, like like you look at her and go, how did that voice come out of that body? Wow. That's crazy, like that. I mean, there's it there's freaked me out. There's impressionists who people can do other people's voices, but you can kind of still hear their voice in it. You know, she'd have been a good she'd been a good person to make a scary movie sitting on the porch <laughs> swinging like that. You know, yeah, it would kind of remind me of uh, Poltergeist or something like that. You know, wow. What about uh, remember the guy with the R on the garage with uh, the animal, the giraffe? Oh yeah. There's a giraffe and an R. Go ahead and tell that one. Yeah, we were up in East Bethel. In a big old fancy house. Had this humongous freaking bird bath in there. And it had two big lions in the bird bath and everything, you know. <laughs> I'm thinking this thing was like 35 feet in diameter. This is a big bird bath. I call it a bird bath, but I don't know what you call it. You can call it's it like a roundabout, like a, roundabout on the driveway. Roundabout okay, yeah. on the driveway. We had a big R in there and all that kind of stuff, you know. And so we go, he goes to hook the hose up and he says, There's a damn draft in the house. I said, Draft? Yeah, he says, Come look. Sure enough, that thing was standing on the bottom floor and his head was up to like the fourth floor. There was a full size draft in the house. Wow. There was nobody home. So, and just, you just couldn't believe my eyes. It's like, holy cow. He didn't and, believe me. He goes, what? No way. 
And I went back there. I went back there for something else. Did another job and he was home that day. And he opened the door up. He had every safari animal you could think of stuffed in that house. Wow. He had been to Africa. I don't know how many times he told me, but he had that stuff was all over the house. It was so, pretty cool. But he, he told me he goes, he he came back a second time and he when he went in he goes, he thought the giraffe was cool. He said he should have seen the lion. <laughs> wow, so full size lion. All these different animals that just had it just in his house. Yeah. Wow. That was pretty cool. That that sounds very interesting. I would like to at least go visit to see what it was like. Plus, like, just seeing that, like, fountain or the bird bat, like, that would be cool to see it, too. It was cool. It was, it was, it was a beautiful house. It was over $2 million. Wow. Huge house. Huge. Huge. When we first pulled up the first time, he goes, R, he goes, what do you think that stands for? I go, look at it. It goes, stands for rich. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't understand. You own a, you own a two to $3 million house. Who in the hell wants me to come around there and poke one inch holes in your concrete? Yeah. Yeah, at that point, you're, you're like, why don't you just, like, redo it? If you have the money, just redo all Became of it. Became rich somehow. That's and true. we've been to Bear Pass down in Eden Prairie. <laughs> I don't know. If it, it, there are probably a lot of people out there know who a Bear Path is. That's where all the rich people live. The gated community. It's yeah. all gated. And they, you've, you've done that? We've done that all along. I can go there either. <laughs> you don't need me to be there. Yeah. You, you got millionaires there. They don't need a guy coming in there and poking holes in concrete. And then having to clean up after. And then they don't pay. They're probably the ones that don't tip. Yep, they don't tip, they don't pay. They don't give you toilet paper or nothing. Nope, no toilet paper, no pickles. What the heck? You'd think it may be a cucumber so you can make your own pickle? (laughs) Yeah, you would think so. Like, man. Sometimes you want to give them the cucumber. Those are the ones that, that's the, the pretty ladies that you see in the driveway. All right. All right. If you didn't own your business, what do you think you would be doing? I'd probably be welding. Yeah? <laughs> I'd probably be a welder. That's, that, that's a crazy thing to do, but it, that's what I grew up, you know, and that's yeah. what I went to school for. I'd probably be still welding. But I probably wouldn't be doing the dirty welding. I'd probably be doing the TIG welding, you yeah. know. There's a lot of... There's a lot of companies out there looking for TIG welders, especially good ones. Yeah, and I'm mm. sure you are probably still up there with, without being having done it for so long. I, bet I could still, still do it. Yeah. yeah, you just don't forget. Yeah, you can still do the same things with your hands, you know, because when you feed the wire, you go like this, you know, you you, you got to be able to feed that thing. So it takes practice to get that through you got to remember that wire is like three 36 inches long so you're continuously feeding it yeah while you're running the arc with the other hand so it's like you, you get used to it yeah it's like riding a bike except it's like riding a bike except you're welding the bike as you're riding it. but it's funny because i was you know being a welder that many years there's not very many guys can actually take weld very good hmm. you got to be steady you know, yeah, I you get people to come in and, and do testing, you know, and stuff like that. And I got to tell you a story. I was in there one time, and the boss says, "Go get some plates. We got a couple guys coming in to do some TIG welding. We're going to run a test to see if we want to hire them." So I got the plates. Oh, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking. He says, "Make sure you turn all the dials down to zero." So I turned all the dials down to zero, and I, he says, "Put all the stuff on the table." 
Well, the first guy gets up there, and he looks around. He puts the torch together. He looks underneath the table, and he says, What the hell is that foot pedal for? Boss says, You're done. Yeah. You can go there. You can go right out that door. Yeah. He had no idea that foot pedal was what controls the art. He had no clue. <laughs> wow. He had no clue how to run that machine. Huh. So then the next guy comes in. He knew what was going on. And what he's doing, <laughs> this guy here, I don't know where he come from, but he's scrap. he gets on there, he turns the dials almost fully all the way up, and I'm thinking, what the hell are you going to do? What are you going to do with that? You're going to burn the torch up, you know? And he gets up there, and he stomps on a foot pedal, he turns it on, and he, he takes the arc like he's scratching, scratching like a, like a match, like going to light a fire. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell are you doing? He says, well, I'm trying to get the arc started. And I said, no, oh, no, no, oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, I, said, I says, you turn this down. I says, you're going to burn the tungsten right off of that thing. You're going to burn my torch up. I says, when you step on the pedal, that creates your heat. Oh, he says, I didn't know that. I thought, how the hell are you going to work here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You need to know at least the, the what the pedal does and how to. You're not trying to start the the arc with a match, like. Yeah, I mean it was unbelievable. I'm not a welder, and I know that. Like I've done it a little bit. I think I did a little bit. In you do that with a stick school. machine, you know. You you got to bang that to get it started, you know. But not not TIG because no. you're ruining the point. Mm-hmm. That was funny. <laughs> that was about two funniest guys. He had totally opposite. One guy didn't know what the damn pedal was, and the other guy, he was trying to, like, light a fire. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> having a bonfire over here. Not, I don't need to take Will. Well, I can't imagine how hot that was when he had to dial all the way up. <laughs> oh, I could yeah, imagine. I, I, I thought, when, you, when that thing is started, it's going to... It's gonna melt right through that plate. I bet it. I bet it threw some sparks. Oh, it threw sparks. <laughs> Damn. All right. Um, what is the biggest piece of advice you could give someone starting their own business right now? I'd say the biggest piece of advice is if you're gonna really start to make sure it's something you love to do. Because if you don't like to do it, like I mentioned earlier about being a cook in a restaurant, that cook will show up. You're not going to survive. You you just can't do it. There's just no way. If you're going to like to be behind the desk, behind the computer, don't be a landscaper. If you don't like to get dirty, don't be a mechanic. Yeah, because you're going to get dirty. You're eventually going to have to do the job. You're going to have to do it. One of the people that aren't there. Because I'm telling you what, some of your employees are going to get sick, and they're not going to show up, and you're going to have to do the work. That's what I can tell you. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. If you're going to do your business, you better love to do what you got to do. Do every aspect of the job. Know every position. If there's multiple positions, know every every inch of that job. Yeah, because your paperwork, your accounting and stuff – yeah, you can find people to do that. You get there's accountants and all that stuff to do the paperwork, all that stuff. But doing the actual business work, it's not going to happen unless you love to do it, mm-hmm. and you got to know how to do it. At least have some sort of like experience. I know you 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 said that you had the welding experience and that you didn't have all of the experience leading into it right away, but at least having that some sort of a background that like. Goes in with it. It. Yeah, yeah, with the mechanical background and stuff. I probably do more welding now than I did before. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Did, have, did you get the 67,000 inches? <laughs> Probably not. Because <laughs> it was always hurried up, repaired, get back out on yeah. the road. Yeah. Well, that's all I got. That was You're out of questions, right? Yeah, yeah we are out of questions. Um, now it's t- time for that part of the show that we... Do our dedication. It goes to you, Pops. And who, who do you want to dedicate to? Who, you, who do you want to dedicate your episode to? Who's your favorite I, comedian? My favorite comedian would be Larry the Cable Guy. I think he's kind of like me. I like his good old wreck neck style besides, you know, the way his comedy, the way he goes on and puts reality into his comedy and that kind of stuff. You know, it's not out there science fiction crap, you know. So, yep. you know, it's actually every story he always tells is always there's always got to be some truth behind it, you know. Yeah. So, I I like Larry the Cable Guy. He's probably one of the best. I love Larry. Larry's one of the guys that I, like, fell in love with in comedy because... It's crazy because uh, Larry was a very small guy before Blue Collar Comedy Tour. Yeah. I was listening to um, a story by Ron White. He goes, me and Larry were just filling guys. We weren't Jeff Foxworthy's first pick. He says... Two guys canceled for us for the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. And he says, Jeff called us up and we came in. We were just supposed to be openers. We didn't know we were getting almost equal time. And uh, he said, it just blew up so big. But he said, I remember showing up to that concert for their first Blue Collar Comedy when we were taping the show. He goes, I remember when me and Larry, we came in on the same flight and we showed up here. And he said, we couldn't believe it. We go, this is a lot of people. He said, our, our biggest shows before then, he said, might have been maybe a thousand people, maybe a couple hundred people. He said, we didn't do arenas. We didn't do what they were doing. Like, you weren't at the Jeff Foxworthy's level or bilingual. Yeah, but and then all of a sudden, people compare all of them together. Yeah. Like, they're just like, oh, well, who's your favorite of the four? And you're like, wait, isn't there only supposed to be two? Like, yeah. <laughs> then boom, Blue Collar comes out and Larry goes from freaking just being an opener to biggest guy out there who knew get her done was going to be the biggest catchphrase ever yeah yeah it's his whole and he says get her done we say we pump her up (laughs) (laughs) i like that no larry's a good good dedication i mean like i said he's one of the guys that got me into comedy because of the blue collar comedy tour like those guys were hilarious like i loved all four of them Bill Engvall is the only one that I think I've seen live. Oh, really? Yeah. But I, I wish I would have been able to see all of them because, I mean, still got an opportunity, but... Oh, Mr. White, he's been... He he's comes to Minnesota at least once a year. Yep. Yeah, he's thinking about retiring soon, though, so we, we better I don't see think, him soon. I don't think so because he... Uh, he's in Texas. He's a Texas boy now, and Joe's down there. Well, Joe's, I'm hoping going to get him back but he did say that he was thinking about he's retiring. thinking about retiring. he said he'd still do like texas shows and yeah stuff, for sure he'd do it for joe and he'd yeah. go to joe's ranch and all that stuff but but yeah he's thinking well larry larry's retired larry the cable guy is retired now. is he officially retired, yeah, he officially retired. he still does shows and stuff but he just he's not touring or anything like that. yeah he's pretty picky and choosy where he goes so well, i mean he can <laughs> he's he's making a lot of money just on the the cars thing. Yeah, like being Mater, you make a lot of money being Mater. Oh, yeah. He's got kids. Uh, his kids are. He's got kids now and all that. And he goes, I'm just. He said, I made my money. He says, What do I need to do? He says, Now yeah. I can enjoy life. That's Stay what back I would do. And raise the kids. And I mean, if you make that money, wife. obviously, like he he probably enjoys doing comedy every now and then. But it's probably a great 
just it's great to do it when you want to do it. How much money do you? I mean, how much money do you really need to make? I'm sure he's made plenty. Yeah, he's like the Randy Moss of comedians. He plays <laughs> well, he's still he making money off his get her done. Stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Merchandise, like he's he's gonna be well off. For a while. I wonder. I'd like to see the numbers on his merchandise. He has to be one of the biggest comedians for merchandise. Yeah, well, I just like the fact Larry was a very smart business guy, and the fact that like when he was doing cars, they offered him a huge contract. Like I think it was like twenty million dollars to do the the first movie or whatever, and he turned him down. He wanted less money, but he wanted I think it was three percent of the merchandise sold with Mater. And so they eventually accepted it, and he made way more, more than money. twenty million. Yeah. Well, he ain't spending any money on clothes. <laughs> no. Don't, don't no. need sleeves, baby. Don't need sleeves. Yeah, he can save money just by buying the sleeveless. But he, I, it looks like he buys the sleeves and just tears them off. <laughs> One of my favorite bits by him is the the crotch of panties. Yeah. Came home one day and the woman was like, hey, you want some of this? Heck no, I don't want none of that. Look what it did to your underbridges. <laughs> he found out what the price of them bad boys are. He says, hundred bucks for those britches. I got to be sitting on like two, three grand at home. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite bits by him. That's a good one. So, that's about all I got. You guys have anything else? I you have don't any? have much else, I can no. tell you. Yeah. So, uh, A1 Concrete Love, and got your own website and all that, right? We got our own website. Hey, do you want to plug anything? You know, yeah. Just... No, you just go A1Concrete.com. You know, it's all on there. You can see all the franchises. Click on Minnesota. That's where I'm at. Sweet. Fred Van Deventer, thank you again for doing the podcast with well, us. Well, thank this you was... for having me on. Yeah, this is a great episode. I think uh, I think we're going to have a lot of people enjoy this episode. I know I did. This is I'm going to definitely re-listen to this one and... Yes, I know we, we have one person that's going to listen for sure. Josh really wants to hear this episode. He does. Yeah, he wants to hear this episode. He wants to know know a little bit more about you. So he, I, I don't know if he's he's trying to do it for fantasy football so he, he can get under your get, skin get a little, little edge. bit more now. <laughs> but, but you can listen to his episode and do the same. How about know? if I just trade teams with him then? Oh, there you go. Just you could have my team other. from last year. I didn't have anybody play. <laughs> Um, once again, guys, you guys can uh, catch us on Facebook. Go, uh, go at us. Um, we're on every site you can think of: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, What's our website? www.thestupidestpodcast.com. Com slash. I don't know. I was gonna add stuff, but I don't know what to add. Yeah. Um, add us. Comment. We need some comments, people. Yeah, we need some comments. Add, just watch the watch the episodes on on Spotify. You can listen there. You can watch it on YouTube. Well, I mean, watch with a picture. Yeah, right. It's a picture, and then the I do audio. what I can. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it's it. Listen to us. Follow us. Do whatever you need to do. Let us know what you want to hear. Yeah, we want. If you have any questions, we want to we want to have other questions. If it's just for us, if there's a certain guest that you guys want to. Uh, have on. I mean, if you guys know somebody, maybe your aunt and uncle are really cool people and you want them on the show, let us know. <laughs> Just, we can't travel that far. Yet. <laughs> Yet. We're, we're going to be we're global, global yeah. eventually. Worldwide. Prestige worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> Super right. podcast worldwide. All right, guys. You have a good one. Have a good one.